Chapter Fifteen of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Fifteen Renewed Conflict. I'm a murderer, Miss Anne said martha with a look of settled despair upon her face on the evening of the next day she had been sitting all the weary hours since morning with her face buried in her hands hearing and heeding no one until miss anne came and sat down beside her speaking to her in her own kind and gentle tones upon a table in the corner of the cabin lay the little form of the dead child covered with a white cloth the old grandfather was crouching over the fire moaning and laughing by turns and stephen was again absent rambling upon the snowy uplands and for murderers there is pardon said miss anne softly oh i never thought i wanted pardon cried martha i always felt i'd done my duty better than any of the girls about here but i've killed little nan and now i remember how cross i used to be when nobody was nigh till she grew quite timorsome of me everybody knows i've murdered her and now it doesn't signify how bad i am i shall never get over that martha said miss anne you're not so guilty of the child's death as my uncle who ought to have had the pit bricked over safely when it was no longer in use but you say you never thought you wanted pardon surely you feel your need of it now but god will never forgive me now replied martha hopelessly i see how wicked i've been but the chance is gone by god will not forgive me now nor stephen we will not talk about stephen said miss anne but i will tell you about god when he gave his commandments to mankind that they might obey them he proclaimed his own name at the same time listen to his name martha the lord the lord god merciful and gracious long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity transgression and sin if you would not go to him for mercy when you did not feel your need of it he was keeping it for you against this time saving and treasuring it up for you that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through jesus christ he is waiting to pardon your iniquity for christ's sake do you wish to be forgiven now do you feel that you are a sinful girl martha i have thought of nothing else all day long whispered martha i have helped to kill little nan by my sins yes said miss anne mournfully if like stephen you had opened your heart to the gentle teaching of the holy spirit if you had looked to jesus trusted in him and followed him this grief would not have come upon you and upon all of us for bess would not have persuaded you to leave your own duties and little nan would have been alive still oh i knew i killed her cried a voice behind them and looking round miss anne saw that the door had been softly opened and bess had crept in unheard her face was swollen with weeping 
and she stood wringing her hands as she cast a fearful glance at the white-covered table in the corner come here bess said miss anne and the girl crept to them and sat down on the ground at their feet miss anne talked long with them about little nan's death until they shed many tears in true contrition of heart for their sinfulness and when they appeared to feel their own utter helplessness she explained to them in such simple and easy language as best could understand how they could obtain salvation through faith in the lord jesus christ after which they all knelt down and miss anne prayed earnestly for the weeping and heartbroken girls who as yet hardly knew how they could frame any prayers for themselves when miss anne left the cabin the night was quite dark but the snow which lay unmelted on the mountains showed their outlines plainly with a pale gleaming of light though the sky was overcast with more snow clouds her heart was full of sadness for stephen who was wandering no one knew whither among the snowdrifts on the solitary plains she knew that he must be passing through a terrible trial and temptation but she could do nothing for him her voice could not reach him nor her eye tell him by a silent look how deeply she felt for him yet miss anne knew who it is that possesseth the shields of the earth and in her earnest thanksgiving to god for martha and bess thompson she prayed fervently that the boy might be shielded and sheltered in his great sorrow and that when he was tried he might come forth as gold all the day long stephen instead of going to his work in the pit had been rambling without aim or purpose over the dreary uplands here and there stretching himself upon the wiry heath where the sun had dried away the snow and hiding his face from the light while he gave way to an anguish of grief and broke the deep silence with a loud and very bitter cry it was death sudden death he was lamenting only yesterday morning little nan was clinging strongly to his neck and covering his face with merry kisses and every now and then he felt as if he was only dreaming and he started down towards home as though he could not believe that those tender arms were stiffened and that rosy mouth still in death but before he could run many paces the truth was borne in upon his aching heart that she was surely dead and never more in this life would he see and speak to her or listen to her lisping tongue little nan dearest of all earthly things perhaps dearer to him in the infancy of his christian life than the saviour himself was removed from him so far that she was already a stranger and he knew nothing of her towards evening he found himself in his aimless wandering drawing near to fern's hollow where she had lived the outer shell of the new house was built up the three rooms above and below with a little dairy and coal shed beside them and stephen even in his misery was glad of the shelter of the blank walls from the cutting blast of the north wind for he felt that he could not go home to the cabin where the dead child no longer darling little nan was lying poor stephen he sat down on a heap of bricks upon the new hearth where no household fire had ever been kindled and while the snowflakes drifted in upon him unheeded 
he buried his face again in his hands and went on thinking as he had been doing all day he would never care to come back now to fern's hollow no he would get away to some far-off country where he should never more hear the master's name spoken let him keep the place he thought and let it be a curse to him for he had bought it with a child's blood if the law gave him back fern's hollow it would not avenge little nan's death and he had no power but the master was a murderer and stephen knelt down on the desolate hearth where no prayer had ever been uttered and prayed god that the sin and punishment of murder might rest upon his enemy was it consolation that filled stephen's heart when he rose from his knees it seemed as if his spirit had grown suddenly harder and in some measure stronger he did not feel afraid now of going down to the cabin where the little lifeless corpse was stretched out and he strode away down the hill with rapid steps when the thought of martha and his grandfather and miss anne crossed his mind it was with no gentle tender emotion but with a strange feeling that he no longer cared for them all his love was gone with little nan only the thought of the master and the terrible reckoning that lay before him sent a thrill through his heart i shall be there at the judgment he muttered half aloud looking up to the cold cloudy sky almost as if he expected to see the sign of the coming of the lord but there was no sign there and after gazing for a minute or two he turned in the direction of the cabin where he could see a glimmer of the light within through the chinks of the door and shutter bess and martha were still sitting hand in hand as miss anne had left them but they both started up as stephen entered pale and ghastly from his long conflict with grief and temptation on the hills he had come home conquered though he did not know it and the expression of his face was one of hatred and vengeance instead of sorrow and love he bade black bess to be off and out of his sight in a voice so changed and harsh that both the girls were frightened and martha stole away tremblingly with her he was alone then with his sleeping grandfather on the bed and the dead child lying in the corner from which he carefully averted his eyes when there came a quiet tap at the door and before he could answer it was slowly opened and the master stepped into the cabin he stood before the boy looking into his white face in silence and when he spoke his voice was very husky and low my lad he said i'm very sorry for you and i'll have the pit bricked over at once it had slipped my memory stephen but martha knew of it and she ought to have taken better care of the child it is no fault of mine or it is only partly my fault at any rate but whether or no i've come to tell you i'm willing to bear the expenses of the funeral in reason and here's a sovereign for you besides my lad the master held out a glittering sovereign in his hand but stephen pushed it away and seizing his arm firmly drew him reluctant as he was to the white-covered table in the corner there was no look of pain upon the pale placid little features before them but there was an awful stillness and all the light of life was gone out of the open eyes which were fixed into an upward gaze the bible which stephen had not looked for that morning 
had been used instead of a cushion and the motionless head lay upon it that was little nan yesterday said stephen hoarsely she's gone to tell god all about you you robbed us of our own home and you've been the death of little nan god's curse will be upon you it's no use my cursing i can do nothing but god can punish you better than me a while ago i thought i'd get away to some other country where i'd never hear of you but i'll wait now if i'm almost clemmed to death till i see what god will do at you take your money you've robbed me of all i love but i won't take from you what you love i'll only wait here till i see what god can do he loosed his grasp then and opened the door wide the master muttered a few words indistinctly but he did not linger in the cabin besides that awful little corpse the night had already deepened into intense darkness and stephen standing at the door to listen thought with a quick tingling through all his veins that perhaps the master would himself fall down the open pit but no he passed on securely and martha coming in shortly afterwards ventured to remark that she had just brushed against the master in the lane and wondered where he was going to at that time of night miss anne came to see stephen the next day but though he seemed to listen to her respectfully she felt that she had lost her influence over him and she could do nothing for him but intercede with god that the holy spirit which only can enter into our inmost souls and waken their every memory would in his own good time recall to stephen's heart all the lessons of love and forgiveness he had been learning and enable him to overcome the evil spirit that had gained the mastery over him all the people in botfield wished to attend little nan's funeral but stephen would not consent to it at first he said only tim and himself should accompany the tiny coffin to the churchyard at longville but martha implored so earnestly to go with them that he was compelled to relent the coffin was placed in a little cart drawn by one of the hill ponies and led slowly by tim while stephen and martha walked behind the latter weeping many humble and repentant tears as she thought sorrowfully of the little lamb but stephen with a set and gloomy face and a heart that pondered only upon the calamities that should overtake his enemy End of chapter fifteen